ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio, the ESPN App Series XM Channel 80. Shay Cornette and Chris Canty here with you. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. And over the last couple of hours, we've been dissecting the situation um, that has gone down with the Dallas Cowboys. And essentially, if you don't know about it now, let me just briefly catch you up on the situation. Um, there was a report that came out earlier today that basically cited the fact that there were four Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders changing in their own distinct locker room, and there was an employee that was in there essentially making them feel extremely uncomfortable, holding a cell phone and videotaping them while they were doing such things. That was a team executive that was accused of it, and his name is Richard Uh Dale Ripple, uh, the Cowboys' longtime senior vice president for public relations and communications. The fallout from this was that each woman received around 400 grand after the incident. Um, so again, one of the cheerleaders says that she saw him standing behind this partial wall in the locker room that again was designated for the cheerleaders only with his iPhone filming them, taking pictures of them as they were changing their clothes. Um, Dale Rimple uh, gained entry into the back door of the cheerleader's locked dressing room by using a security card. You heard all of that, right? Um, and then there was another instance where the same person, Dale Rimple, was also accused of taking upskirt photos of Charlotte Jones Anderson, a team senior vice president and the daughter of, we all know him, Jerry Jones, in the Cowboys war room during the 2015 NFL draft. Okay, so these are the facts now. And so Sarah Spain joins us here. She's the host of Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, which comes up right after this show here on ESPN Radio. And so, Sarah, I know if you – whenever there's a story like this or a situation like this, I, I, I said to Chris Canty in the meeting earlier today, like it's always good to get obviously a women's a woman's perspective because it's unfortunate that there are just sometimes too many males in one room to dissect this situation that's going on, and this seems to be the problem for the NFL. And so now when you heard this come out today, I'm sure you weren't totally shocked, but what was your reaction? Just grossed out to start with. Um, I think particularly there are so many elements of this story that sound familiar to people across all different industries, not just the NFL, not just sports, um, but particularly male-dominated industries where um, it's just easiest for the people in charge to make it go away. And that's Mm -hmm. what one of the sources told uh, Don Van Atta and the others reporting on this story, that you you just pay money and you make it go away. You make people sign NDAs. And as someone who has been harassed and then had to be around that person, it's painful. It's uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Um, And so for the team to essentially decide that for the last six years, Dalrymple was able to keep working even around Jerry Jones' daughter, which by the way, when are the people in charge going to care enough when even when your own daughter, who's the team's uh, senior vice president, um, is a victim here of, of alleged upskirt photos caught on a live camera during a draft uh, in a public space, if that's not enough to move the needle and to get someone out, I mean, that's where you really start to wonder. And that's why every time these stories come up, Shay and Chris, it's like you have to hope that that they add up to enough outrage for something to change because individually we lose our minds about it for a day or two and then we move on. And Mm -hmm. unfortunately, these people in power are so used to getting what they want, prioritizing themselves and their own needs and wants and their own money that they, they kind of presume that fans are rabid enough about their football to move on. 
And the frustrating part about this, Sarah, is that we've seen it happen with the Washington football team on multiple instances. There was the cheerleader scandal that took place over the better part of the last decade. And then a couple of weeks ago, Tiffany Johnston accused Dan Snyder of Mm -hmm. sexual misconduct and touching her inappropriately at a dinner. So it's not like this is new in terms of the cronyism covering up for misogyny within these NFL organizations. My only question to you would be, Since the NFL has proven time and time again it's incapable of handling situations of this nature, who has to step in in order for something to change, in order for us to see some punitive measures, something of substance, in order to curb some of these behaviors? Well, I would say, guys, obviously, like, the first step is to shine a light on it, and that's the work that that Don and company are doing here. That's the work the Washington Post has been leading the way on in terms of the Washington football scandal. Uh, Dalrymple retired uh, just a couple weeks after ESPN started interviewing people about these alleged incidents, they happened six years ago. He's been he's been employed the entire time since. He was uh, a massive, and and this is important, I think. He was a massive PR guy and a high profile fixer. What was Sarah, described he was as the, the, he was the right hand man of he Jerry was Jones, secret keeper. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I played for the Cowboys. You didn't see Jerry Jones without Rich Dalrymple and Jerry right. Jones' bodyguard, Rosie. You didn't see him apart. That trio was always together. So there is a very close relationship between the two, which makes it even more surprising that something like this would be allowed to go on after the team issued a formal warning in writing in 2015 mm-hmm. after this incident took place. Well, that's what I'm wondering. If you are the fixer of the team and you are the right-hand man, what kind of secrets do you have? Mm. And is that why you keep your job? And is that why the non-disclosure agreements protect him to the point where he retired after ESPN started digging around? And he thanked the team. He thanked the Jones family. No one on behalf of the team acknowledged him. His retirement was not mentioned on the website, despite, to your point, everyone acknowledging what a huge role he had played and how right-hand he was to Jerry Jones. So this was forced because of the spotlight that ESPN put on this incident. Same goes for Washington, which has now been elevated to Congress. And that's the only hope at this point for me. Because the system is set up where Roger Goodell is a meat shield for the owners and is allegedly their boss who is able to control and somehow dole out punishment, but he doesn't. So if if Roger Goodell has no control over punishing owners like Dan Snyder, who has repeatedly brought shame to that team, who has repeatedly embarrassed the league, who has also made ratings go down in that market, made attendance go down in that market, made that team worse, and none of that matters enough for him to be ousted, then there is no real power there other than other owners. And they're not going to want people digging in their houses. Jerry Jones doesn't want people digging in his house because this is what we find. So maybe Congress gets something done, guys, but the whole system is set up to protect the people at the top. Yeah, no doubt about it. I I called it a push and pull earlier. There's no concrete leader here that can make things right and moral, it feels like, from the top down at all. We're talking to Sarah Spain right now, host of Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Her show follows this one right here. You're listening to Chris Canty and Shea Cornette on ESPN Radio. Um, So you know what was also like head-scratching to me about this whole situation was the fact that the Dallas Cowboys, again, here we go, with their own internal investigation that lo and behold didn't find anything, yet somehow (laughs) we had a disciplinary letter and we had women that were paid a significant amount of money to, as you said earlier, basically go away. So at what point do we stop doing these internal investigations that clearly do not work? 
Isn't that funny, right? Nothing happened. We looked into it. Nothing happened. But here's a bunch of money. And right? as soon as we start investigating, this guy's going to go ahead and retire uh, very unceremoniously. Yeah, it's it's gross. And it's exactly what you expect. And it's why so many of us get so frustrated when people allege that a lack of criminal accountability or even a lack of public admittance means anything about whether something went down. We know that what you do is deny, 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 and then you attempt to pay off and, and sign some NDAs. I think that the movement by Congress to potentially ban NDAs from situations of harassment and abuse um, at the corporate level, not just in the NFL, but outside of that, I think it would be a huge step in the transparency that's required to prevent these things from happening and and going on further. Um, And I think... You know, the more women who talk and the more places this comes up, the more emboldened others are to speak up. And eventually it does affect sponsor dollars. Eventually it does become shameful enough that the fans start reacting um, in the, in terms of the way that they spend their money. But it takes a whole lot. We know that about things like football that we are uh, admittedly addicted to. No, and Sarah, you're absolutely right. And I just feel like there's a degree of culpability with the Dallas Cowboys because Rich Dalrymple was in the Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders locker room. So for people that aren't familiar with AT&T Stadium, there are separate locker rooms for the Dallas Cowboys players, the visiting players, and the Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders, and they're not connected. So the fact that your PR and head of communications would be in that space for whatever reason doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't pass the smell test. And that part is just egregious when it comes to the Dallas Cowboys, not thinking that there was more... I, I guess inappropriateness with Rich Dalrymple being in that space and We're not to caring. allow him to be We're there for six more years is right. ridiculous. The answer is, unfortunately, it's not about thinking. It's not even about believing. It's about not caring. It's about not caring. And that's what we see over and over again. We don't believe that Dan Snyder is unaware of the incidents underneath his nose. We don't believe pretty much any of the, whether it's coaches at the collegiate level, whether it's owners of the NWSL, whether it's women's, men's, children's, professional, at every level, what we end up hearing from the people in charge is we didn't know. And now that we do, of course, we'll do something. Mm -hmm. And meanwhile, it always requires some sort of investigative journalist to shine a light on it or some sort of whistleblower to say something. And then all of a sudden, oh, how could we possibly have known? Yeah, or or and now we've already looked into it and there's nothing in his phone. Oh, okay, isn't that weird that a PR guy wouldn't have anything in that one phone that you have seen and you own. But anyway, sort of like Gruden having the only emails of any of any import. Right, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) How dumb do you think we are? So apparently very, and we keep throwing our money at the NFL. So I guess we're proving right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Sarah Spain, thanks so much for the time. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you later, guys. See you later. That's Sarah Spain, host of Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. You can also follow her on Twitter at Sarah Spain. A great follow, by the way, I will add uh, on Twitter. Um, So we're going to continue this conversation here with what's going on with Dallas and obviously the situation in Washington. I don't think we should be overlooking the situation in Miami. While they're not all related, still kind of corrupt, it feels like, right? We'll do that next. You're listening to Chris Canty and Jake Warnett on ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Chris Canty, Shea Cornett here with you. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. So we're continuing the conversation about the Dallas Cowboys and um, the alleged incident uh, between the Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders and Richard Dalrymple, the Cowboys' longtime senior vice president for public relations and communications. 
And all the findings that have gone down uh, truly over the last, I don't know, month or so. And this has been in the making for the last six years. And so now that you take a step back from this, Candy, and we've kind of hit this from all angles, right? Like we've talked to the person who wrote the article. We've gotten a perspective from Sarah Spain. You and I have dissected this. You obviously played for the Cowboys, so you've got a different perspective. I, being a woman and actually a, a former cheerleader and dancer, I have a perspective on this. So now that we take a step back and we look at this from the NFL perspective as a whole, How do we avoid things like this from happening going forward? Is the NFL capable of fixing these problems that is now not only happening in Dallas, but also happening with the Washington Commanders? Um, And there's a slew of other problems they have too, by the way, that they need to address and they need to fix and they need to do it in a timely manner. And it feels kind of like it's all coming to a head. How do they get it fixed? Well, I want to say this uh, first and foremost, Sarah, I'm embarrassed as a former member of the Dallas Cowboys, that Jerry Jones would allow something like this to take take place for as long as it did. The incident happened back in 2015, and Rich Dalrymple was allowed to stay with the organization through the end of this season and only retiring two weeks ago on February 2nd. And I'm sure that this article and the investigative work that Don Vanata did on this report had something to do with him stepping away from the team effective immediately at the beginning of February. So I, I just it's so disappointing that Jerry Jones would allow something like this to be seemingly swept under the rug, and we're supposed to take the Cowboys' word for it that the internal investigation uncovered no wrongdoing when it's clear that Rich Dalrymple had no business in the Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders' locker room. Now, that being said, let me say this. I don't believe it's confined to only the Dallas Cowboys or the Washington Commanders when it comes to workplace misconduct and sexual harassment toward women employees in these organizations. These attitudes are pervasive around the National Football League, and you don't have to take my word for it. All you got to do is look at the correspondence that was uncovered by Beth Wilkerson with the Washington Commanders investigation and John Gruden's emails going to Bruce Allen when they were jokey-jokey without the the, the worry of somebody potentially looking at what they were actually sending to one another. So all I will say is this. The NFL has proven that it's incapable of changing the culture when it comes to these attitudes toward women, when it comes to being a more diverse and inclusive workplace. And I think the the the, the responsibility should be taken out of their hands in terms of being able to clean it up because the oppressor can't be the protector. And the NFL has for so long kept these people, whether it's minorities, when it comes to advancement, when it comes to women having the opportunity to feel safe in workplace environments, the NFL has proven that they cannot protect and ensure a safe workplace environment for those individuals. So I don't know if it's a congressional oversight committee. I don't know if it's an independent firm that handles such matters, but something needs to happen. A third party, an outside entity needs to come in and regulate this aspect of how the NFL does its business because it's broken when it comes to their internal investigation and their internal processes in order to fix these types of behaviors. Yeah, yeah, the internal investigations, be it in the NFL, in college basketball, college football, I don't care what level it's at, it needs to go away. They don't ever work. They're always in the team or the organization's favor, and it makes no sense. And quite frankly, it's a waste of time because we never get anything from that. In the college level, I'm thinking of college basketball now, like, oh, we did an internal investigation and we're, you know, putting restrictions on ourselves for one year. What? Like, it's so silly to me because they don't (laughs) want the ultimate, like, NCAA to come down on them even harder. Like, there's always a ripple-down effect, in my opinion. So let's just do away with the self-investigation because it's just simply not working. Um 
But but in terms of the NFL as a whole and how they need to handle these things going forward, there's got to be some sort of person in charge to handle these kinds of situations because it's every single week. And just think about, like, okay, it, it takes them forever to respond to these kinds of things. Like with the Brian Flores situation now. At first, it was there was no um, he, there was no credit to what he was saying. Like it was completely incredible what he was saying, made no sense. They couldn't believe it was happening. And then two days later, they were going to look. There was no merit. That's what it was. They were two days later. They were going to look into his exact investigation. We haven't heard anything now from the NFL in regards to this, and maybe we won't. In terms of the Deshaun Watson, they haven't said a word in the last calendar year. It's like we can never be in front of the problem, and I think that's the biggest issue I have here is that there's never force in trying to fix things with some accountability. Well, here's the thing, Shay. I mean, the NFL back in 2015 hired Lisa Friel, who was responsible for an investigating sex crimes in, in the New York County. They, they hired her in the wake of Ray Rice and so many other domestic violence situations. She was supposed to be that individual, to be that objective, fresh set of eyes in order to be able to engage these situations, investigate them, and then apply best practices as to how to handle said situations. I mean, the NFL hired her, and her title, her responsibility, is Senior Vice President, Special Counsel for Investigations for the National Football League. And in that role, she's responsible for the NFL's personal conduct code, including domestic violence, sexual assault, animal cruelty, blackmail, extortion, racketeering, and disorderly conduct. So she's supposed to be the individual that's responsible for trying to clean up some of these things when it comes to the workplace environment and spearheading or overseeing the investigations that are taking place. But we don't know how much power she had. Maybe we, we, and we don't, there. and we don't. But that was what the NFL sold us when they had this initial issue when it came to domestic violence and overall treatment of women that were in the workplace environment around the NFL and how the employees treated women while they were at the workplace and while they were in their personal lives. That was supposed to be the individual. The NFL was supposed to be taking steps, and yet we recognize that this was just another PR move, another optics move, so the NFL could say that they were doing something about it, where in reality, they're just trying to protect themselves from any future liability that might arise, and they get to win over some folks in the court of public opinion. That's too often the case when it comes to situations of this nature. That's the stance of the NFL, and something about that has to change. Otherwise, we're not going to see any change in the behaviors of the owners or the individuals that are high-ranking within these organizations. They're going to continue to use their station to exploit the individuals that are subordinates, and that's sad. Yeah, no, it, it, well said. It's extremely sad, and it's ridiculous. I thought Sarah, who was on with us in the last segment, made a really good point in terms of at where do we draw the line. Like, this is happening now to Jerry Jones' daughter. And, it, yes, I had said that a million times prior to her pointing it out, but yet still that doesn't make his blood boil. It's happening to your own daughter, and yet still you left this guy employed for years after that happened. That was the 2015 draft, it was all noted, and yet he's been on staff up until two weeks ago. Like, at what point do you take a look in the mirror and say, okay, this guy's got to go because of the way he's making my own daughter feel every day when she comes to work. It's so ridiculous to me. Yeah, it is. It, it's it's, it's a sad state of affairs, but this is going to be an ongoing conversation, and it should be. It shouldn't go away. The NFL should continue to feel the pressure on how they've mismanaged situations and allegations of this nature. But coming up next, Adam Silver says he wishes James Harden and Ben Simmons trade was handled it differently and questions New York City's vaccine mandate? We'll talk about that. This is Shea Cornette, Chris Canny, ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio.
Chris Canty, Shay Cornette here on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Canty, how you feeling over there? I'm doing pretty good, Shay. I know your brother chimed in and said that I called you Sarah in the last segment, so I apologize, even though we did have Sarah Spain on and I we know. had that conversation around the Dallas Cowboys report. <laughs> I I got it confused. They both start with S. Forgive me. I had a CTE moment on air, so I apologize for that. I told him I might hit him with like a Colin or another C-male name, and he's just not going to know when it's coming. He's going to have to just roll with it the way I rolled with it. You never know what's going to happen here. Uh, by the way, we were presented by Progressive Insurance. Earlier today, Adam Silver was on Get Up. He talked to Greeny about a lot of different things. But one thing that he zoned in on, as we all have been in the NBA world, is how it went down between James Harden and Ben Simmons and how that trade was handled, which was very publicly from start to finish, from the beginning of the season and everything that went along with Ben Simmons and him not playing for whatever reason and then all the way through James Harden being disgruntled. And so when Adam Silver was asked about this and how it all kind of played out, here's what he had to say. I recognize that there are going to be situations where guys are unhappy and or teams are unhappy with them. But ideally, when players want to get traded or teams are preparing to make moves, those are conversations they have confidentially with players, they have confidentially with other teams. And obviously in this case, it not only played out publicly, but it's been playing out since the season even began. Yeah, and, and, you know, Canty, I feel like in this situation there's a little bit of a gray area just because there's so many levels to it in regards to Ben Simmons and mental health and then in regards to James Harden and being upset about a vaccine mandate and how that fractured, for lack of a better word, fractured the relationship with him and Kyrie Irving and the part-time status and then throw into the mix that KD, your right-hand man, was injured and was, both of them were playing a lot of minutes. And so I feel like from a, a Adam Silver and an NBA perspective this was hard for it to be everywhere because it didn't shed the NBA in the best light because it wasn't the good kind of drama you know the drama that they feed off of and they love there were too many levels to it in my opinion well I hear where you're coming from Shay but you get this when you sell the individuality you sell the the stars of the league that's what happens and so for the NBA this has been how they've done business over the course of the last decade and a half they've promoted some of the prominent figures, the, the superstar athletes, the all-NBA performers, the all-stars. It's a star-driven league. And so for Adam Silver to come out of his mouth and say, well, this is bad for the NBA when you have these two players that are disgruntled with their current teams and say they want out in this situation, I, I don't know. I reject that, that, that premise. I, I think this is actually good for the NBA because we're talking about in a week leading up to the Super Bowl, the Harden-Simmons trade speculation dominating the headlines. When's the last time you saw the NBA midseason dominate the headlines, especially leading up to the Super Bowl? It just doesn't happen. Now, I get it. The calendar is a little bit funky because you have the NFL in the extended regular season. But still, the fact that we were in Super Bowl week and the majority of the topics that we discussed on this show had to do with Harden and Simmons potentially being traded. That was a good thing for the NBA. You can't buy publicity like that. So for him to say it's a bad thing when we are in the era of player empowerment and player mobility and the league has benefited from it dramatically, I I don't know. I I can completely disagree. And I get Adam Silver says he has data to support that the way that this trade was handled is bad for business. To me, it just seems like the owners don't like the idea that the players that are currently under contract can dictate when and if they want to be traded and move out of their current situation. I think this is much more of a control issue than it is about it being a bad look or affecting the bottom line for the NBA. 
Perhaps, but I mean, why would they want that? And why would you like that? Why would you like your employees basically telling your bosses where they want to go and how they want to do it? Of course, they don't like that. That's just what the NBA now has But become. you're benefiting from it, though. That's the thing that I don't understand. You're benefiting from it because all of these all of these fans of the NBA are engaged. No matter what team you root for, guess what? You might have the chance of being able to land one of these superstars because they want to get out of their current situation. The disgruntled star is the storyline that sells the NBA offseason. That's all we talk about in the summer when the NBA draft is coming up. What star wants to get out of their situation? And so for the NBA, they've been monetizing this offseason after offseason and tried to find ways to extend the calendar much in the same way that the NFL has in their offseason. The NBA has been following that model and benefiting from it when it comes to their bottom line. You cannot get upset when that comes back to bite you because one of the players decides that he's had it with the team that he's on and he wants to go to another team. And in this instance with James Harden, I actually understand why he wants to get the hell away from Brooklyn. Because you got a guy in Kyrie Irving that's a part-time player that was supposed to be an integral part of your team competing for a championship. And he said, you know what? I'd rather go down to Philadelphia where I know all of the players down there are engaged and want to be a part of trying to make the team as good as it can be. And they're not going to make selfish decisions like we've seen Kyrie make over the course of the last couple of years. Okay, well, speaking of that situation with Kyrie Irving, why don't we focus in on that? Because Adam Silver, the NBA commissioner, as we've been talking about, on Get Up This Morning was also asked about the vaccine mandate in New York where Kyrie plays and if he thinks it's fair. Here's Adam Silver. Honestly, I have no inside information. I'm, I'm here in New York, and that's where that ordinance is in place that has the direct impact on Kyrie. I'll say, it, to me, just, just stepping back, um, while it's been the league's position that we wanted to see every player um, vaccinated and boosted, that's not something the Players Association was willing to do. Having said that, though, we got to voluntarily 97, 98% of our players boosted and the vast, I'm, I'm sorry, vaccinated, and then the vast mm-hmm. majority of them are boosted. This law in New York, the, the oddity of it to me is that it only applies to home players. I mean, I think if we're, if, if, if ultimately that rule is about protecting people who are in the arena, it just doesn't quite make sense to me that an away player who's unvaccinated can play in Barclays, but the home player can't. So I, I, to me, that's a reason they should take a look at that ordinance. Okay, and so there was Adam Silver, and then earlier, moments ago, in fact, Steve Nash, the Nets head coach, was asked about the vaccine mandate in New York, basically in response to what Adam Silver just said. Here's Steve Nash. There is some, I think one of them used the term odd or oddity in regards to it, and I think that's true. It is one of these, we're dealing with a pandemic that most of us are going through for the first time, and it's, it's not straightforward, and, you know, but I think everyone realizes there that there is like a little bit of a, a strange um, I don't know if you want to say loophole in, in all this in that you know other other athletes or entertainers can come into New York and perform and so there we're, we're hopeful we're hopeful that that there's a, a resolution but like I said it's it's not our, our we don't have the ability to change that what do you think about what Steve Nash said? I mean, he says it's basically out of his hands, which it is. I mean, there's not much that they can do. It's obviously mm-hmm. up to powers that be. Yeah, no, there's inconsistency when it comes to the vaccine mandate. And, Shay, I know I was making the point earlier that because you have ninety 98% of the NBA vaccinated, you have some teams that have all of their players vaccinated. And so the frequency that you would have an unvaccinated visiting player coming in and potentially expose everybody in Barclays would be a lot less 
than the frequency of Kyrie potentially exposing the fans and Barclays because he's unvaccinated and that being their home court. But I will say this, the uniformity, I'm all about the uniformity when it comes to certain rules. And if you're not going to let vaccinated, unvaccinated players on the home team play, you shouldn't let unvaccinated players on the visiting team play. It should just be that simple. It should be a blanket mandate. It shouldn't have that much nuance because we are talking about a pandemic and we are talking about potentially trying to save folks' lives. So I don't like the idea of the nuance with this. If you're going to have a rule for the home team, it should be the same rule for the visiting team. That way there is no competitive advantage when you talk about the visitors versus the home team. It is what it is. Yeah, it makes it makes absolutely no sense at all. Uh, all right, Canty, we got to go to break, so go ahead, take it away. All right, all right. Coming up next, Aaron Rodgers is still in search of that second ring, and LA Rams GM says, "Them kids." We'll explain next. Canny and Cornette, ESPN Radio. Shay Cornette, Chris Canny on ESPN Radio and ESPN Plus. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Got to give a shout out to the guests that came through on the show today. Uh, ESPN senior writer Don Vanata giving us the story on .com about the Dallas Cowboys and their settlement for misconduct for one of their executives in Rich Dalrymple, who has now stepped down from his role with the team. Uh, Buster Olney, ESPN's MLB insider, giving us the latest on the relationship between the MLB owners and the MLBPA during the CBA negotiations. Also, ESPN NBA analyst Tim Legler giving us the latest on the NBA before we hit the All-Star break. Also, Sarah Spain, who's the co-host of Spain and Fitz that follows this show on ESPN Radio, chiming in on the Dallas Cowboys situation in the NFL culture as a whole. If you missed any of it, Go to the podcast, download, rate, and subscribe. We greatly appreciate it. But, Shay, now is the portion of our show where it's time for us to go three and out. Sometimes it's the worst. Sometimes it's the best. Either way, we'll get you straight with everything you need to know. This is three and out. And kicking off three and out today, we have the general manager for the world champion L.A. Rams, Les Snead, during the parade that ended at the Coliseum, the L.A. Coliseum, Les Snead was cited while he was making his speech wearing a T-shirt that said, F them picks, this in reference to the draft picks that Les Snead has given up to shape this L.A. Rams team. Of course, this team hasn't made a first-round selection since Jared Goff back in 2016, and they're not scheduled to make another first-round selection until 2024. Shay, I got to say, I really appreciate the candor from Les Snead because a lot of people were throwing shade about whether or not this model would work, and now they're finally holding up the Lombardi Trophy, and they seem validated in their decision to pass up on all of those first-round picks. And how likable are the Rams right now? Like, we dog the Rams and the Chargers for not really having a home field advantage. I mean, look no further than the pictures from the parade today where all of, like, 30 people went out to watch. But at least the L.A. Rams are having themselves a time and becoming likable, maybe gaining some fans along the way. I love this from Les Snead. Just shows he's fun, he's loose, he's committed to his own process, and, hey, it worked out. So good from Les Snead. Good for Les Snead. And speaking of kids, we got to go to this story because I thought it was absolutely awesome from Shaq and D-Wade last night on Inside of the NBA, bringing on young entrepreneur Lil D and his mom. And Lil D is the inventor of 
a, a, a doll that's called Our Brown Boy Joy. And Little D and his mom have been selling these dolls for $50 a pop. His name is Little D. Maurice Davis Jr. And his mama, Lucy, Luciana Gilmore, and they were on Inside the NBA, Shay, and Shaquille O'Neal and Dwayne Wade both wanted to support the young entrepreneur who's eight years old, Aww. and they bought $5,000 apiece from Little D and his business, Our Brown Boy Joy. And, of course, that means that that company just made a half a million dollars on Inside the NBA last night. So shout-out to Shaq, shout-out to D-Wade for throwing their money around in a good way and then committing to donate the dolls to kids in their communities that are underserved. We say a lot about the negative things that professional athletes do. We don't say enough about the positive, but Shaq and D-Wade making it happen for this young man in his entrepreneurial dreams, but also for young men that look like him in communities that were underserved. I love this so much. I hope that they can fulfill how many dolls that Shaq and D-Wade bought. And, <laughs> but nonetheless, this is amazing. Eight years old, man. With a dream and a passion that's already coming to fruition. Just this is good. And you're right. We don't talk enough about the good things. At least it doesn't get all the headlines like the bad stuff does. This is a good headline. I love that it was on Inside the NBA. But again, I, I hope they can make enough dolls to fulfill how many they bought. <laughs> I guess time will tell. Well, I'm sure the capital from D-Wade and Shaq will be able to help out in terms of their production. So keeping it moving. Speaking of kids, Shay, let me tell you who's not going to be having kids anytime soon. Shailene Woodley <laughs> and Aaron Rodgers. Because the reports are that the couple has split. They've called off their engagement. And as one person put it on social media, Aaron Rodgers is still in search of that second ring. It's not going to happen with Shailene Woodley. And so now it's a situation where not only do we know, we not know where Aaron Rodgers is going to play in 2022, but we don't know who his significant other is going to be this upcoming season as well. So Aaron Rodgers, all around, seems like he's having a rough go of it. Yeah, this wasn't all that surprising, given all the reports coming out, how they disagreed on a lot of different things. And that's not to say you can't disagree with your spouse and stuff. Trust me, we disagree on a ton in this household. But <laughs> um, I, I, I will say uh, this wasn't all that surprising. Now, how this impacts Aaron Rodgers. You And look, I am not a proponent of blaming the woman for anything or the significant other for anything when it comes to a professional career. But in terms of where your house is and where you lay your head every night, this is why there were so many reports of him wanting out of Green Bay, because he is a Hollywood actress as a soon-to-be wife. Well, not anymore. So does this mean maybe he stays put a little bit more in the Midwest? Or does this mean he goes somewhere else like Denver? Like, what does this mean for Aaron Rodgers' future? That's what's intriguing to me. And, Shay, I got to say this, and I'm embarrassed to admit this, but I was today years old when I realized Shailene Woodley was the lead actress in the Divergent series movies. Did not know she was Tris from Divergent. Had no idea. But I digress. Okay, Keeping it moving. <laughs> I got to give a shout-out to my guy, former Virginia alumni, and now retiree from the Washington Nationals, Ryan Zimmerman, the first baseman, spent his entire career with the Nationals, 16 years. He's 37 years old when he retired, and he's the career leader for the Nationals in games played, runs, scores, hits, total bases, doubles, and home runs, and RBIs. So shout-out to Ryan Zimmerman for getting it done. Coming up next, Spain and Fitz got you covered. This is Shea Cornette, Chris Canny, ESPN Radio.